Welcome to the Get Emergent podcast. Today we are continuing our new series called Driving Leadership, which is aimed at demystifying leadership by having real conversations with leaders. You'll witness conversations with leaders from all walks of life and learn about what drives them to lead, their development stories, and about some current challenges they are facing. I'm Bill Berthel, and joining me today is Meg Tidd. Good morning, Meg. Hi, good morning, Bill. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Meg, it's want- my pleasure. Awesome. Meg, I want to just um, tell our listeners a little bit about you. You've got such an amazing bio. Your current role is the Chief Operating Officer at VIP Structures. Mm-hmm. We're going to want to hear more about that. You've combined your upbringing within the arts and not-for-profit world. You have a passion for corporate strategy and marketing. I've had the honor of working with you many times, Meg. And what I want to say is that you and your leadership team at VIP, I can attest that you really embody an empathetic and socially conscious leader. Always loved watching you lead, and you have a real influence and effect on your team. You know, you've successfully developed high-performing teams focused on advancing your organization's goals and a really cool organization. Can't wait to hear you talk more about what VIP does in our community um, based in Syracuse. And you guys have a really authentic, community-centric style, which I know is going to come out in today's conversation. I think this is really cool. I've I've got a background in the arts as well, but you hold a bachelor's in music and voice performance from Mm -hmm. the Boston Conservatory. Can't wait to hear more about how that led you into leadership, right? But you have a master's of business administration concentrating on corporate strategy and marketing from the University of Rochester. Meg, it was 2019 that you were promoted to COO of VIP. Uh, And that's going to be a great place to land as you share your leadership journey with us. But before you take us on that journey, would you share with our listeners why you lead? Why are you a leader? What motivates and drives you to lead? This is a really interesting question. So I recently was speaking to a consultant that we've hired at VIP to help us through some planning as we move forward. And the woman I'm working with is just this really dynamic, strong woman. And I describe myself as a reluctant leader. And I've used that in the past. You've heard me say that before. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in talking with this woman, I kind of admitted my secret to her. And I'm like, you know, who am I to be a leader? Who am I to, you know, think that I can lead people, that that's something I should do. And her response to me was, who are you not to? And she went on to tell me a couple of great things that I really needed to hear at that moment. But really the first of which was, you know, every time you don't think you belong or you're giving credit, you know, and I'll I'll always be someone who's going to give credit to the team. And and I very much believe in that. And I, I very much believe I am where I am today by being surrounded by wonderful people. But, you know, every time you really allow someone else to take credit for someone or feel uncomfortable in a room or maybe don't stand up for certain things, you're giving away your power. And power is a really interesting word in general that I've always, you know, struggled with probably power and leadership. You know, I, I, I view power as something that I have intrinsically, but it's not something that I think is used when dealing with people and, and that power with, with people. So for me, when she said, you're giving up your power, that really hit home because it's, you know, it's, it's who I am. So that was really important. And then she basically said, whether you like it or not, you're leading people, you know, whether you like it or not, people are paying attention to what you're doing and people are looking to you for your guidance. And when things are chaotic, they're looking for your calm. And when everybody's ready to celebrate, they want to make sure you're celebrating right alongside them that hit home with me. And I think for me, what my driver is, you know, again, for the longest time, it's, 
I ended up in these positions and, and I really did. It really felt like everything for me just kind of organically happened. It wasn't that I actively sought leadership roles. They just kind of fell into place. And there were times where I've often said like, I don't know how I feel about being in that position. And even today, there's occasionally yes. times where I'm like, who, who, I, I don't know. And uh, it's time for me to own that and, and to be there. And, you know, my big why is supporting those people around me and being there for them and speaking up when they need support and shutting the hell up when I'm learning things and there's certain things I just don't know anything about and listening to what they have to say. And so I think, you know, my why is in every way, shape and form I can support and allow people to be the best version of themselves and give them whatever they need to be that best version of themselves. That's what I really want to do. Meg, I love that. And I, and I think our listeners would really like to understand. I certainly would. I think there's a rich topic in that interface between reluctant leader, as mm-hmm. you call it, love that idea and that term. Cause I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us relate to that mm-hmm. and stepping into your power, reluctant leader, stepping into your power. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you, it's, you didn't say this, but I hear service, service mm-hmm. to others, yeah. Yeah. about representing others, about getting out of the way also. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, 100%. That is so awesome. So take us on your leadership path, the relevant milestones along the way. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's not a conventional one, as it were. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I, like I said, I had always sort of naturally fallen into leadership roles. So whether it was being the captain of my sports teams or being one of the lead mentors uh, in our MBA program for students, I just kind of always naturally gravitated towards it. That said, I was not a great student in high school. You know, I was not, you know, everybody, you know, you hear these stories of other folks and they're like perfect straight A. And then I went to this college and I did these great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for me, I worked my ass off to get B's. So needless to say, when I graduated from high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I'd always been really into the music side of things and that had just sort of become a part of me. And so when I was applying to schools, I thought, you know, what the heck, let's apply for music. Let's see what happens. I think I was a little surprised too, that there were actually degrees in music. So that was super exciting at the time. Right, right. Uh Uh-huh. So I applied to a bunch of schools. It's a really interesting admission process. You have to go through about three rounds, you know, you send in a recording, you go in for um, a live audition, and then there's a third round where they say, you know, whether or not you're in. So that was an interesting story. Went through, did vocal performance, classical performance, sang opera, loved it. It was great. So when I got out, as with any other music major in the world, I took any job that I could possibly get when I graduated. I served tables. I worked for Kelly Services as a temp agency to be placed where they could fit me. And at the time I landed a job as a receptionist and kind of worked my way through there and ended up in marketing communications. So during this whole time, I was taking private voice lessons from a a professor at the Eastman School of Music in Rochester. Yeah. At that point, I was planning to apply to graduate school for music, continue on, you know, opera was going to be my career and that's where I was headed. But in my job in communications and marketing, my boss's husband had attended the Simon School at the University of Rochester, which is their business school. And every year as an alumni, you have the opportunity to recommend someone to potentially be in the class. And he spoke with me and said, hey, I really like to recommend you for the business school if you want to apply. And meeting me, I I tend to be such a, what the heck person. (laughs) So I'm like, sure, I'll apply to the music school. I'll apply to the business school. We'll see what happens. 
So I, I never expected it. I got waitlisted at the music school and I got accepted to the business school. So it was just, it was a very interesting path. I will say uh, business school was one of those, one of the hardest things I've ever been through. I mean, I would come home from classes, walk through the front door, my husband would see me and I would just, honestly, I would just start crying. So I'm like, what? I don't understand what I'm doing. But oddly enough, I felt like I was at home. It made sense to me. Business just, it clicked in, in a way nothing else had ever really clicked before. Very interesting. And tell us a little bit more about your willingness to experiment and try, right? I hear that in your testimony today, and I know that about you as a leader. What is that? Where does that motivation or drive come from for you? I think a lot of it, that just comes from this desire to get uncomfortable. You know, it's, yes. I, I tend to get bored if I, if, if everything becomes a ritual and it becomes easy. So as soon as something becomes easy for me, I know it's time for me to move on or challenge myself in some other way. I don't actually really know where that comes from. It's just sort of how I've always been wired and something I believe very strongly in. This whole idea of just getting comfortable being uncomfortable, I think is so important for, for not just myself, but for people in general is for their growth is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And you know this very well, leadership provides plenty of those opportunities, mm -hmm. right? To get out of our comfortable skin and try on some other form. Tell us about some unique leadership story about yourself. I think we're going to uncover more about that way you like to push into that growth and development. Tell us more about that. This was a unique experience. So right after the news of George Floyd had hit, you know, a few months back yes. and once the rioting had started and, and some of the, the issues had finally come to the forefront, it was a really interesting time for me because I had a lot to learn. And this was sort of one of those times where I needed to shut the hell up and listen. Mm. And I knew there were things I didn't understand. And so I did my best to put myself in situations where I was just listening and understanding, reading things that maybe otherwise I hadn't read, following people on social media I maybe otherwise hadn't followed to get better perspective, to really understand as much as I can understand, you know, sure. yes, not precluded from ever really truly understanding, but you know, really putting myself out there. And I just, you know, after a week of talking to very good friends of mine who it hadn't occurred to me, you know, how hard what was going on had hit them. You know, it had mm -hmm. never really, and I, and I felt slightly ashamed of that. You know, I was ashamed of the fact that it, it didn't occur to me that this was life-changing for them. You know, they're asking their sons not to go out and run. They're, you know, having to face personal demons every day. And they're having to deal with, you know, situations just from existing. And it, it just threw me for a loop. So I felt really strongly that as a company, we needed to send something out to all of our employees, letting them know we're here. This is not an easy time. And we love you. We support you and let us know what we can do. And also make it very clear what our corporate stance is around racial equity, but also around equity across the board, whether it's race, religion, sex, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, so so very took a very strong stance within the company and sent that out. And I sent that out on behalf of our senior leadership team. I had one employee reach back out to me and say, hey, Meg, and this is where really people led, for lack of a better term, but led up to me. You know, these mm -hmm. were leaders in our company who reached out to me. So she reached out to me and said, I really think we need to, as a company, take a stance on this. You know, I really appreciate that you put it out there, but I don't think enough companies are really making it known where they stand and how they feel about what's happening. 
And so I, I thanked her profusely and I really sat on it and I struggled. And this was sort of a stepping into my, my leadership because it was, who am I to put out a statement from me? But I thought, you know, this is, this is where I'm at today. And I think we need to do it. So put together a statement and the statement really had to do with just being heartbroken because that's what I felt, you know, just this, you know, seeing people in my world totally broken by this and hearing their experiences and, and watching what was going on in the world, I was heartbroken. And as a company, as I, as I pushed more, we were heartbroken. So we put out the statement following that um, we had two employees who reached out because within 24 hours of that statement going out, one of the uh, peaceful protests was going by our job site. Mm-hmm. And the two of them said, Hey, let's do this. Let's go, you know, grabbed, you know, they grabbed each other and said, let's get out there. And, you know, the question was, well, what will everybody think? And they both were strong enough to say, it doesn't matter. You know, this is something we believe in. Let's do it. So they reached back out and said, Meg, we did this. This is, this is incredible. And from there, I've had several people reach out and just say, Let, we got to keep pushing this. Let's keep pushing this. From a leadership perspective, that to me is so defining because again, it was people guiding me and all of that, you know, people who have these beliefs and have these strong and know that you know, I have my feelings and my opinions on it and want to be a part of that, but they feel empowered to be comfortable and okay with playing a role in this by knowing that, that I am as well. So I'm incredibly proud of the people at our company and incredibly proud of the choices they're making and the things that they are doing. Absolutely. What a wonderful, beautiful story in in a time of such, you know, difficult social human challenges, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, it's about, and we said it before, the, the empathy we can hold as leaders is really powerful. I know not every leader likes this term of vulnerability, right? That can sometimes sound like a weakness, but when we, when we leverage that as a real strength and speak from the heart or when we're heartbroken, how powerful is that? Yeah. That's, I mean, in general, from a company perspective, and I think that's something I've really tried to just get comfortable with in general. You know, there's, yeah. especially as... Um, you know, and this may be a conversation for another time, but as, as somebody who, you know, I am, I'm a very strong, but I'm a young female out there in the world. And there can definitely be a sense of, oh, she's being vulnerable, you know, and I, for me, it's just, that's who I am. That's, I believe strongly in letting people know that I too am affected by these things. And I hear and support all of you. Yeah, it's courageous authenticity, no matter who we are, right? Mm-hmm. And especially as leaders to help lead that space. And it sounds like others follow that willingly. And I love that idea of, yeah, I don't have a better term either, leading up, right? Yeah. Or 360 degree leadership, maybe, right? Leading all around, leading mm-hmm. all around. That's pretty awesome. Tell me about some current challenges you're facing, either in your field, in your industry, or as a leader. What's going on for you? Where, where are you pushing the envelope or feeling particularly challenged? And then what are you doing about it? So the biggest challenge we're facing right now, and it's not a challenge, it's a, not to sound cliche, it's an opportunity amongst the company (laughs) with everything that's going on in the world right now across the board. I mean, there's so much go beyond COVID. There's so much, you know, racial equity. We have a, an election on the horizon, which gets people all, you know, all all, uh, riled up right now as well. I mean, there's a lot going on, not to mention, and this is something I, I called out and emailing our company yesterday is we all are existing in a place where we can't really plan right now. You know, you can't, you want to plan a vacation, but how do you plan a vacation? 
you know, it might get canceled last minute. What's going to happen? You know, even down to kids going to school, you want to plan, but none of us have any idea what's going to happen. So yeah. we're all living in this very nebulous gray space right now. And so I think the biggest challenge of that is how do we make sure that we are supporting everyone? Because I think the biggest thing is recognizing that people are feeling off kilter allowing them to feel that way because the times are very strange right now, letting them know it's okay to feel that way, but also still knowing we have to carry on. You know, we still have to do our jobs every day and right. we have clients still, and there's still things to be done. And so we're really the biggest challenge for us, but again, it's an opportunity. We've sort of always had a company where it was, you know, here's our policy and a one size fits all. And we've really learned we have to take advantage of the fact that each one of our employees is a human being with very different needs from the person sitting to their left and the person sitting on their right. And we as a management team and as a company need to get far better at working with the individual than with the masses and coming up with plans for the masses. So we're doing our best right now to really listen to what their needs are and then be able to pivot and, and put that on the company to make sure that we're moving ahead and we can be as successful as we can be moving forward. So I'd say right now, that's really the biggest thing. It's, um, it's just an odd time. We are also embracing the fact that it's a slightly odd time. You know, any of those big changes as a company that you sit on for a long time and you're like, we're not ready. Those are, you know, succession planning and what's the company going to look like? Now's the time where you should really take some time to focus. You know, it's, um, we don't know what's going to happen in the next six months. Therefore, let's dream big. You know, do we want to be the same company in the next six months? Do we want to be the next com same company in the next year? Or do we want to be something different? And what's that look like? And what's that feel like? And how are people going to experience that? At Emergent, we think that's exactly the path organizations can be following, leaders can be following mm -hmm. right now. Unpack that a little bit for me, demystify that. Because this could absolutely be a time where we just hunker down and get even more transactional in our leadership, even more transactional in our organization's policies. I hear you looking at something that's transformational. Why? I think, I think for a few different reasons, you know, and it's a catch 22 because I, sure. on one hand, I think we can be doing some transformational things and I'll dig into that in a little bit in a minute. On the other hand, I also think there are certain aspects of the business that we should not I'm watching a lot of businesses right now almost, panic's not the right word, but make really, really big decisions for the company, very large sweeping decisions for the company mm -hmm. that may not apply in six months. You know, whether it's shutting down their facilities or downsizing this program or cutting that program, there's certain things you have to do for smart longevity decisions. But then there are certain things that are knee-jerk reaction to what we're experiencing right now. So I definitely think there's a balance between the knee-jerk reaction and then sort of this transformational decision-making. So when I talk to where we could be, it has more to do, so go back to the individual and the unique individual. For me, this is pulling that unique individual into the room to have these conversations, starting to tap into the expertise of RP. You know, we have a senior leadership team of nine people. That's all well and good. You know, we get together, we have conversations, but it needs to go way beyond that. We need to be individually reaching out to folks at the company, pulling them into microgroups and saying, what are we missing? Where are we right. going? What aren't we seeing? What should we be considering? The other thing where it's allowing us to do is giving us a chance to dream big, you know, I have a version of what I think our company could be in five years. 
I keep it under my hat. You know, I don't tend to talk about it a lot. I, I make choices around making it happen, but now is really that first time where I'm like, let's leverage what's going on right now. And let's be that company. Let's become that company. Let's move forward and let's, you know, celebrate more, talk more, ideate more. <laughs> um, yes, yes. So, and tap into your people for that is what I hear you saying. Really, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Tap into yeah, that, I, the organization for those ideas. Yeah, absolutely. It's turning, it's looking inward, talking to our resources and our people because our people are everything. We are who we are because of the people mm-hmm. we have. And yet we do a good job listening, but we don't do a good job of asking if that makes sense. You know, so we will hear them when they bring things up, but we aren't actually pushing the envelope and saying, what would you do? How would you do this? I think the other thing that we're trying to do and that I spend a fair bit of my time doing is, you know, we've had people say like our competitors are doing this or like, look what they have going on over here. I think that's important and that's great. We tend to team with a lot of those people as well, but I'm inclined to always be looking at other industries. And so I feel really passionately about looking at the software development industry or looking at even just the food and beverage industry, hospitality, what are other people doing out there? And is there anything there we can be leveraging and applying it to our company? And I just think it's a great time to look at how others are pivoting, really talk to our employees and just create some new great things. That's awesome. So Meg, I'm asking leaders for their best advice uh, Mm. for our listeners. You know, well, well, while we've got you and we've got your attention, what would you want to tell our followers, our leaders, our listeners that are all tuned in with us, your top three pieces of leadership advice? So first off, and don't judge me for this, I am totally skeptical of advice. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Yes. <laughs> so I laugh because I give advice when I'm saying I'm skeptical of advice, but right. yeah. Um, and uh, I'm fully aware of that, but so we've had many friends come to us. We have a lot of friends, you know, getting married, having kids, you know, furthering their careers. And they always come to us and they're like, well, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I always tell them, you know, be skeptical of the unsolicited advice, you know, always be skeptical of that person who is like only raised, you know, a couple of their own kids 35 years ago and they're coming to you and they're like, here's what you have to do. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) That's not be skeptical. And it's the same. I think the same applies to really every aspect of life, but applies to business as well. So that's the first piece of non-advice is to be skeptical of advice. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) And trust, really find that circle. If you choose the people you're going to go to and choose different, don't go to people who are going to agree with you. You know, don't go to, you know, those who are just going to nod their heads and say yes. Find people who are going to challenge you, but find those people and those are your people to go to. And the next piece of that I would say is, and this is more just a little tidbit, is if you wouldn't go to someone for advice in the first place, don't listen to them when they're, you know, telling you all the ways something won't work. Mm. You know, if they're not one of those trusted people and they're not in that circle for you, they're probably not someone that's worth getting worked up over if they don't agree with you or they're against something you're doing or, or don't believe in you. And that's really the big one is if they don't believe in you, if they don't believe in you in the first place, you wouldn't go to them. They're probably not the person you should be listening to. So I hear you saying be really thoughtful of whose influence you allow yes. it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah like that. The second, I would say that I mentioned it before, just get uncomfortable. Just make yourself as uncomfortable as possible. Walk into a room you never would have walked into, shake a mm-hmm. hand of someone you don't even know, you know, really get out there, put yourself out there do something that you never dreamed you would because those are really the opportunities that are going to let you grow and help you grow. 
Love it. And then the last one I would say is uh, trust your gut. So I can at this point in my life so far say there's never a decision in which I trusted my gut that I ever said, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. But I will say there are many decisions where my gut said one thing and the data said another. And I went the route of the data and regret not trusting my gut. So I think it's so, so important. Um, and I heard this great quote once, your gut is your fairy godmother. <laughs> cool. It's so perfect. <laughs> oh, a great way to think about that. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, we, we so often double guess ourselves or yeah. maybe we, we skip right over the intuitive, right? The gut mm-hmm. intelligence that like I, I know without knowing or without logic or without the data but picture that as your fairy godmother. I like that. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's really awesome, Meg. Thank you so much. So anything we didn't cover today that you, you want to speak to what really drives you as a leader? What makes you get up in the morning and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the day? Anything we didn't cover? I think one of the pieces, and this is going on the personal side, because so much yeah. of, you know, we are leaders and we can get out there solely based off of the people we're surrounded by, the places we exist the personal moments that we have with ourselves. So I guess I say that because in my life, I really have four pillars that I know if those four pillars are in place, that I'm good. You know, everything is good. And they're very specific pillars. And if those four pillars, if any one of them is off kilter, not quite in place, then I'm not really good to go. So I tend to gut check on those, what those things are. And, you know, the first of those pillars is, you know, my husband and my marriage very much. The two of us just checking in with each other. The second of those pillars are my children in my world. Uh, The third of those pillars is myself. You know, it's, it's finding my happy place. And, um, you know, and uh, I woke up this morning and realized, you know, my daughter climbed in bed with me around five and I got up and I opened all the windows and got my coffee and started answering some emails and stuff while she was sleeping next to me. And one of the beautiful things I noticed was that the transition from summer uh, going into fall has started in that the birds quiet in August. So mm-hmm. where you hear them chirping in the spring and the beginning of summer, always in August, they quiet and the cicadas and the crickets come out and they, yes. they're, they're almost louder than the birds are. Yes. Uh, right. I'm sitting there listening to them, just relishing the sound and relishing the change in the seasons. Beautiful. And that to me is, is myself. You know, that's me taking a moment to take care of myself, make sure everything's good. The fourth pillar is I'll fully admit it. And I know a lot of people would say like, ah, oh, but it's, the business. It is work. It is what I do. I, I have had an incredible opportunity to join the company that I have joined. I never necessarily thought that that's where I was headed or that was going to be my path. But now that I am there, I always say it's become my third child. I am passionate about it and I am passionate about the people and therefore it is very much one of my pillars. And so I spend a lot of time focused on that because again, if any one of those are off kilter, I know if I'm having a day and I actually take a moment, take a deep breath and say like, what's going on? usually one of those four, something's going on. So I think it's really important to, for people to take a moment and focus on what's important to them and to go beyond work. You know, leadership is so much a focus of work and business transactions and relationships, but leadership is, as you know, and I know you know this, we've had so many great conversations about this. It is so much bigger than that. And it has so much more to do with this incredible world we live in and the nature around us and things that go beyond just the passion of, you know, the emails and the, Absolutely. the, the business decisions. Well, beautifully shared, Meg. Thank you so much for that. Truly. Thank you. And thank you for joining me today. Really love the conversation we had. 
I know our listeners are going to get so much from this. I uh, just really want to thank you for your time and energy today, Meg. And, and all, as always, um, such an honor to know you and work with you. Yeah, Bill, and I just, I really do want to reiterate that to you or pass it back to you. I've really enjoyed working with you. I really enjoy working with the Emergent team. I think you're just an incredible human being. So it's been my pleasure to have a moment to be on this with you. So thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I'd like to remind our listeners to return for more segments of Driving Leadership right here on the Get Emergent podcast, where we'll continue the conversations with a new leader every month. And come back for more leadership content with Cindy Massengill and Ralph Simone, where they discuss real leadership challenges in a practical, comprehensive, and relatable format.